Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Wednesday, March 23rd, as the Flyers fall in defeat to the Detroit Red Wings last night. Final score of 6-3. to three. Detroit wins all three games in the season series against the Flyers. They won that home-and-home home about a month ago, and they get the 6-3 win at uh, Little Caesars Arena last night. Joe Valeno and Jacob Vrana open the scoring 2-0 for Detroit right out of the gate. Lucas Raymond, early in the second period, makes it a 3-0 game. Flyers battle back. About 25 seconds later, Joel Farabee gets on the board, and the Flyers make it 3-1. Then at 7:58, great pass from Travis Konechny to Oscar Lindblom, and it makes it 3-2. But then late in the period, they give up a goal to Jacob Vrana. That turns out to be the game winner. It makes it 4-2. So you, you battle back. You get within a goal to make it 3-2. And then you end the period because at 1851, when Vrana scores that, you're right back to square one and down two. Same spot you were in after one period of play. Now, on three of those four goals, it wasn't a good night for Rasmus Ristolainen. He fell on his sword after the game, said he didn't play well, said they didn't win because of his play. And just a couple of over-aggressive plays in that first period. On the Valeno goal, comes kind of crashing back down low and impedes Carter Hart's ability to move from his right to his left to make the save. And uh, it, goalie interference, but it was your own player. And then Jacob Vrana on that goal, it's a turnover uh, by Ristolainen after he makes a real good play on the rush opportunity from Tyler Bertuzzi, but then tries to chip the puck down low. Bertuzzi reads it, he gets it, he gets it in front of Vrana, who picks up the goal. And then on that second Vrana goal, the fourth goal for Detroit, just a telegraph pass out of his own zone, crossed the ice in the neutral zone, is picked off, and they go the other way, and Verona ends up with that goal. JVR scored in the third at 11:23 to get the Flyers back to within one, and then uh, eventually at 4-3, uh, Mike Yo decides to pull the goaltender about three minutes to go in the game, and Oscar Sundquist picks up the empty netter, and eventually it's a 6-3 final uh, for Detroit. Um, I kind of looked at when to pull a goaltender in the NHL because Mike Yo is pretty aggressive about it. And the reason why I looked it up is because in this situation, Flyers had a couple of good opportunities right before they pulled Carter at 5-on-5. Five five. And then they pulled him and gave up a goal pretty much right away with the empty net to make it a two-goal game at 5-3 once again. And teams since basically 2002 to now are pulling goaltenders way earlier. I guess the data suggests that obviously you got a better chance to score than you would at 5-on-5 five five and all of those elements. But this was one that I looked at and said, they had a couple of good chances. I would have waited a little longer to about the two-minute mark. And then also, when your goaltender is pulled, you got to play the game a different way. You have to. It's Again, it becomes a possession game because you got no goalie in there. And if you give up the puck, you have to bust it to pressure the puck and try and get the other team to turn it over and not allow them to get the red line to go for a shot at that empty net. And the Flyers just didn't look like uh, they had that urgency when they lost the puck after pulling the goalie, and they paid for it when Sunquist picks up that goal. So Flyers go down. Uh, this road trip will continue coming up on Thursday. It doesn't get any easier. It get, matter of fact, it gets much more difficult. You go to St. Louis on Thursday, then Friday in Colorado, who's got 95 po- points already. Uh, Nashville 
on Sunday. Then Minnesota on Tuesday. They'll come back home for one against a good Toronto team. And then they'll go on the road to take on the New York Rangers on Sunday, April 3rd. So the next six opponents, all playoff teams, and five of those six games on the road. And they don't have a road victory this year in 2022. So uh, it's not going to get any easier, but they'll get back at it against Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues coming up on Thursday night. Now, trade deadline's in the rear view, and as I said on yesterday's episode, Chuck Fletcher would join us on this episode of Flyers Daily, and he joins us now, the president of hockey operations and general manager of the Flyers, Chuck Fletcher. Chuck, how you doing? Yeah, doing doing well, doing well today. It's it's yeah, definitely been a, a very busy two three week period for for our staff, and and uh, you know it's it's good that. Uh, we're on the other side of it now and just moving forward. You know, moving a franchise icon carries a big burden and, you know, a guy with a full no move clause and you do get Claude Giroux traded to uh, Florida and you get the package with Owen Tippett, the picks and as well. But what was that process like? And I imagine it has to be handled a little bit more delicately when you are dealing with a franchise icon coming up on his 1000th game with the same team. Well, there were a lot of moving parts there, and, and and first of all, we, you know, he was in the last year of his of his contract, and and so we knew, even going into the season, that uh, that this could move a lot of different ways. We we expected to have a, a team that was competitive, and and that we would be working with Claude and and Papperson uh, this coming summer to figure out the future. But with the season we've had, you know, things got uh, sped up, and and we're now we're dealing with. Uh, talking about trades in the middle of a season of, of a very disappointing season. So it's been kind of a long drawn out process and a meeting with Claude and, and Papperson many, many times to, to discuss how this would work and, and their preferences. And as he held a, a full no move, he ultimately could dictate where and, and even when he would be traded. So, uh, but they were great to deal with. And, and as I've said before, you know, we gave him the no move clause in the contract, so I don't begrudge him one thing in terms of uh, having a big say in where he would go and and even when he would go. I mean, that's his right. That's the right we gave him. That's the right he earned. And uh, so there was never any animosity. Never uh, things were never contentious. It, it was just uh, a, a very methodical, long drawn uh, process for for various reasons. It just took a while to get there, uh, but we all worked together and and. Um, you know, I think Claude is very happy with the result. Chuck, the mechanics of a deal like that are plenty, right? You know, there's a lot of correspondence, not only between you and uh, potential suitors where he would go, but also between you and his agent and you and the player. I imagine that, you know, there's a lot of bandwidth that gets put into something like this for, a, a you know, a pretty long period of time. Yeah, the, the, there was. I mean, going back really to last summer, we had initial conversations, and then around the the All Star break, uh, that's when I think Claude started to realize. We all realized that we were going to be in tough to, to to make the playoffs. We were so far back, and and I think he had a lot of conversations with Papperson at that point about what are my options, what happens if I stay, if if I go, how would it work, and what team should I be considering and, 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 you know, just things that we never anticipating having to, to discuss. So it, it's been a lot of conversations really since the end of January till now. And, and um, you, you know, some, some ebbs and flows as there always are in the process. And, and then you couple that with the thousandth game ceremony where it was really important, not just to Claude, but, but for us that he celebrate that here with us as he should after 
uh, after all the time he's been here, it would have been a shame if he was traded after game 998 or something like that. That just that just wouldn't have made any sense. So, you know, this, and then he had timing issues and, and working with the various uh, other parties we were dealing with. And But it, it came together. Um, you know, I, I think it was the best uh, result for Claude, and, and we did the best we could. And, and um, you know, I think at this point, um, you know, I, I, I do say I'm glad it's behind us and, and we can focus on the future. But... But, uh, you know, we, we got our worked our way through it. Let's talk about the return. You, you get Owen Tippett. Let's talk about him first because he jumps right into a game. I mean, you guys get him in Saturday night. He's in the lineup, uh, draws a penalty on his first shift, shift, ends up on the power play, and he's in the mix, and he's excited about the opportunity he's got. Tell us about Owen Tippett a little bit. Yeah, Owen, you know, he was the 10th overall pick a few years ago and uh, a player that was a – you know, a, a prolific scoring junior uh, player and he turned pro and he's about a point a game in, in 60 odd games in the American League. So, you know, if you look at that, that that's pretty good. There's not a lot of kids that are a point a game player, uh, particularly in the early 20s in the American Hockey League. So he scored at every level up until the NHL. And uh, he's a young man that uh, played really well last year in the playoffs against Tampa. Florida lost uh, uh, I believe he played seven playoff games. He had four points, but I remember him playing playing well in that series. And this season, he kind of played a more limited role in 42 games with them. And Florida's obviously a deep, talented team. And, and uh, you know, I think he averaged about 12 minutes a night. He, he was on pace for maybe around 12 goals, 25 points in a limited role there. So to us, he's just on the cusp of, of, of breaking through. Um, to what level? We'll find out. Uh, that's going to be on Owen and and on us to, to continue to push him and help him develop and give him those opportunities to be successful. But when I look at him, I see a big, strong kid. He's 6'1", 205 plus pounds, and he can skate, uh, he can shoot, he has skill, and uh, he brings a lot of attributes, whether it's youth, speed, size, skill, that that we need more of. And and uh, so he's a young man that'll get a good, good opportunity to play. And I thought he made a good impression in his first game. And like, like all young players, there's areas of his game, particularly away from the puck that he has to work on. But, but the talent, the size, uh, the speed are real. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can work with him to make him a, a, a productive player in this league. Yeah, 10th overall pick back in the 2017 draft. Uh, Chuck, you know, one of the things, too, you know, you look at your team right now and, you know, when you're making that trade, the Sherratt deal that goes down just prior to it, I imagine complicated things because you end up, they end up trading their 2023 draft. And a lot of people are pointing at that draft. You end up with a 2024 conditional first there as well. Uh, how important was it to, to get a first round pick in the exchange, even though it is a couple years off? Yeah. You know, it was important, but uh, you know, Bill Zito was up front right from the beginning. Their, their first priority was to get a defenseman and Ben Sherratt and, and, uh, you know, that pick was never available to us because they they felt that they had to get the defenseman first. And and so we we again, we were fully aware of what we were dealing with all along with respect to Florida and uh, getting a first round pick in 24. It's uh, it's a couple of years out, obviously, but but it's uh, still a very valuable asset. And, you know, if you want to trade a, a first round pick, you don't have any problems trading, uh, trading a, a pick for a good player in this league. So it, it'll just give us more more ammunition, whether we use the pick to, uh, to, you know, to draft a player or as part of a deal to, to add more talent here. So it, we like the value proposition of a first round pick and we really liked uh, Owen Tippett. We felt he was obviously the closest to playing of all their prospects, but also uh, certainly right at the top of their prospect list. And, 
and then you know and then just a, a, you know another third round pick thrown in but it's um, it's it's a fair package and um, you know in a normal situation where you maybe have five seven ten teams uh, or multiple teams bidding you 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 know you'd like to think you could maybe do a little bit better but um, you know, it was what it was. We knew that the return would be somewhat compromised by the limited market we were dealing in. And, and that's, uh, that's the reality. But in saying that it's, it's a fair, uh, fair deal. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy with it. And, and again, we're looking forward to the future. You moved a couple of other players, you moved Eric Broussard to Edmonton and you moved Justin Braun to the Rangers. Uh, you get it, you know, you do well in these because, you know, both players aren't making big money, so there's a market there for them. Every, teams can fit them. You did retain some, I think, on Derek Broussard. Um, but you weren't able to move Martin Jones. Um, but I know that you guys are dealing with a goaltending depth issue in the organization. It was important to get something, a goaltender in return for him. Is that the case? Well, uh, you know, with Martin, you just never know with with kind of the goalie market. You know, again, a lot of teams were set in goal. Um, you know, we obviously saw Marc-Andre Fleury move to um to minnesota uh toronto tried to sign a, a kid harry sateri that played over in, in europe and, and and maybe get him under their roster and arizona claimed him and, and kind of jumped them there a little bit so you know there, there's always a, a few goalie shenanigans uh wait in the process but we weren't sure what would happen on martin but we you know if if there was a, a meaningful trade for martin with it with a fair draft pick to, and we could have gotten a, a another goalie to come in and play uh, we would have looked at it, um, and uh, but we didn't see a lot of value in just giving him away in, in view of the fact that, you know, Urson's out for the year. Ustamenko's a little banged up right now. Sandstrom has been banged up, and yeah. and just uh, it was important for us that we made sure that, you know, if we traded him and you're calling up Sandstrom and and you're you're down to very few goalies for for Lehigh Valley, uh, that wouldn't be fair to them in this playoff push. So we we listened to a couple things, but nothing really materialized and. A couple teams went in a different direction, but we're, you know, we're fine having Martin. He's played really well uh, yeah. of late and uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to need two goalies down the stretch here. And so it, uh, the priority for us was really on Justin Braun because we, we felt we had a chance to get a, a decent draft pick and, and there would be some interest there and it kind of went as expected. And we weren't sure on Broussard just in the sense that he's been hurt a bit this year. So we weren't sure if teams would step up or if they'd be a little leery of, of the injury pattern this season, but um, you know, Edmonton kind of stepped up late and, and we felt a fourth round pick was, was fair under those circumstances. Yeah. And brass has played over 120 playoff games. And when he's been healthy this year, he's he played well, he's averaged a half a point a game basically for the season. And he's a versatile player as well. Important for your, for the Lehigh Valley team, Chuck, to make the playoffs. Cause you can get guys, a lot of good playoff experience there as pros, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, Ian LePerrier has that team playing hard. We had a bit of a tough start, but we've played much better in the last few months, won a couple of big games in Springfield this weekend and making the playoffs would be great for those young players to get experience. And, and certainly even the playoff push here, playing meaningful games every night is important. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch. And as we add a few more players from college and junior in Europe, uh, the, you know, the composition of that team may change a little bit, but It'll be fun to fun to watch, and and again, I'm hopeful that we'll continue to win some games and, and be right there at the end. You did move some contracts or uh, NHL contracts with uh, the move to Florida with Claude Giroux, and uh, you opened up some spots. Do you, do you anticipate Brink, Cates, and uh, Ronnie Adder uh, perhaps being ready to make that jump to be in, sign their ELC? 
Yeah, we, you know, we, we hope so. Uh, right now, all three of those players are playing in the regionals, the NCAA regionals this weekend. And, and uh, so their focus uh, understandably is, is, is on completing and their, their college careers here and, and trying to uh, win a national championship. But uh, you know, at, at that point where the season's over, if, they're interested in turning pro, then uh, we have spots for them. So it was really critical for us for uh, to clear out some contracts and at least some flexibility here, so we can add some new young pieces uh, over the next few weeks. And and that's a real important part of this retool is we, we got to get it some more young assets. We got to get some fresh blood in here. And you know, this summer we'll focus on the free agents, but right now let's get let's get some of these young kids signed and let's get them going. Uh, Chuck, I know you ruled out Ryan Ellis officially for the season. Will there be a surgery? What kind of what's the timeline on that? Uh, we'll know more in the near future. There's there's different ways of approaching a situation surgically and non-surgically, and uh, you know I think we're going through that right now. But either way, uh, the expectation is he'll be ready for training camp and and uh, and good to go next season. So uh, you know I think we have some good plans. We've had some good meetings, and at this point now we're you know, we just got to come to that decision and, and I expect that to happen in short order. Is one of the considerations when a player getting surgery is to not have a gap from rehabilitation from the surgery into training for the next season? Yeah. You know, surgery is always something if you can avoid, you want to avoid, particularly as, as players get older. I, I think the rehab is, is probably easier for 20 year olds and 30 year olds. So, sure. Um, you know, it's something you want to be careful of. If you, if you can get to the same place non-surgically, that's obviously the goal. There's less, it's less invasive on, on, on the player's body, but, uh, you know, that may be the only alternative. So we're, we're just exhausting all our, uh, you know, everything available to us. And, and the reality is I think either way, you know, he's got a realistic chance of being, being healthy and ready to go for next season. There is hockey life after surgery, sometimes even after two surgeries and a cleanup in Kevin Hayes' case. Talk about the the play you've seen out of him. Because, Chuck, he looks like such a different player than the one we saw in the beginning of the year trying to come back. His mobility's there, and he's really looking like 1920 Kevin Hayes. Yeah, he's he's playing really well, and that was the problem the, the first time he came back earlier in the season. He, he didn't have any strength. He couldn't push off he couldn't really accelerate it at all and it was painful and you know this last little time off he was able to get stronger and skate a little bit more and and, and he's able to play a little bit more like the Kevin Hayes we remember but he's got such great anticipation great hands um, he reads the play so well at skill level so we we see that every night and now he's getting around the ice a little bit better and, and I have no doubt with a full summer of training and uh, and conditioning that that he'll come back even quicker and and more fit than what he is right now. It's just been such so difficult for him with all the injuries and the time off to, to get any momentum in terms of his fitness and, and his speed. And that's why it was important for him to come back to to kind of get through this period to tee him up for next year in that line with Farabee and Konechny really playing well. Uh, when you look at it, you guys, you'd like to see some players in particular really finish strong here because you can take that momentum in and off into the offseason. Chuck, I know you've been really busy. I really appreciate the time. Um, I, uh, you can get through the rest of this season, hope it goes really well, and then on to the offseason, which for you is not going to be uh, any rest either, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's going to be going to be a grind, but go out and do some scouting now, get ready for the draft. At least that's fun. You know, it's been a grind. Yeah, I think our team's a little bit playing them better now and a little bit more fun to watch. But, you know, garbage time's no fun. But at least uh, 
hopefully we get a good young player out of this. If you have this kind of year, you want to be rewarded with a good young player at the end. So hopefully we, we get the right guy. Chuck, thanks for doing this. Stay well. All right, Jason, you too. Take care. Thanks to Chuck Fletcher for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Appreciate the time that he gave us and uh, look forward to uh, hopefully a very eventful offseason for the Flyers and one that really moves uh, the team forward. Uh, Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll preview St. Louis Blues, Philadelphia Flyers on tomorrow's brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great Wednesday.